0: Hello, all you cats, dogs, and other friends in the animal kingdom. Welcome to Beyond Believers, the definitive Elvis Costello fan podcast. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season, and we wish you a happy new year. Hope you enjoyed our proposed playlist for an Elvis Costello holiday album as well. If you haven't yet, I'd recommend checking it out and all our other fun Costello playlists on Spotify. We sure enjoyed making them. So we have returned from our long baby hiatus and labor dispute, I have my trusty assistant, Almaloo, by my side. Say hi to the people, Almaloo. That's beautiful. So today we begin our first episode in 2023 with side A of Elvis Costello's 1979 masterpiece, Armed Forces. Joining me in discussion is a longtime friend and music obsessive who is far more humble than me, Matt Maiatico. In our discussion, we cover such diverse topics as how relevant is Armed Forces today, the album's original title, the theme of complexes, and what is the saddest song on the album. A couple of quick bites before we continue. Shout out to the Jokerman podcast, who are referenced here. Their fine work inspired me to get off my butt and do this, so thanks to them. Please check them out. And later on, I do make reference to famed uh, synthesizer, and I call it a Moog synthesizer. It's called a Moog, after Robert Moog who invented it, so all respect to him. Apologies. So listen on, folks, and if you feel it, enjoy it. Welcome once again, folks, to Beyond Believers, the definitive Elvis Costello fan podcast. And I have a very special guest here whose introduction I have prepared for him. And I will read now with the appropriate music. What about if it's... There we go. There yeah, we go. A little hoedown by Aaron Copeland. All right, here we go. My guest tonight is a living embodiment of Southern New Jersey... He was raised on the wild and innocent streets of Voorhees, walking the same blocks that the boss and Patty Smith did, absorbing their inheritance along with his own experience. He came up in high school wor- worshipping the guards of in- the gods of indie rock, like Jeff Tweedy. He went to college in Philadelphia, another legendary home with legendary music. He took it all in, seeing such exclusive shows like Arcade Fire just before Funeral came out and seeing Jeff Mangum lingering in the shadows. He went through a dark wilderness period where he had a strange roommate who made him sing along to kink songs, drunk off his ass at the top of his lungs and buy posters on South Street when they already had way too many in their dorm room. Luckily, he escaped that self-destructive tornado of a person, went on to graduate, remained in Philly, a staunch supporter of the city, Many chose to forget. Now he is a husband, a writer, and a passionate devotee of the sickness that is being a Bob Dylan fan, amongst other proclivities. Please welcome to Beyond Believers Matt Myatico. Hello, everyone. That was that was way too way too kind and epic. <laughs> you deserve nothing less. You know, for anybody who's as big of a Bob Dylan fan as me, I had to. Uh... Does he still play hoedown over that when he does the uh, announcement? I
1: believe he does and still does the Columbia Recording Artist. Yes, Columbia recording
0: artist. Of course. Well, we tonight we are discussing Columbia recording artist at the time, anyways, Elvis Costello, and his seminal third album, Armed Forces. Armed Forces came out in 1979, came sharp on the heels of this year's model. And much like this year's model was a leap forward from my aim is true. Armed Forces is a leap forward from this year's model. Matt, tell us about you and your relationship with Elvis. Go right ahead. My relationship
1: with Elvis. So I will say you really got me into Costello. I don't think I w- I, I was not a huge, huge Elvis fan prior to that. I knew, you know, I, I knew my aim is true. I think I thought of him as the guy who sang Allison basically mm-hmm. was my, How how I knew of him. You turned me on to him. I remember listening to Imperial Bedroom, I think is what really got me into him. Kind of blew my mind at the time. This album specifically, I remember buying it at Molly's Books and Records in the Italian market of South Philadelphia. Shout out to Molly's. Um, (laughs) Got the vinyl with the drip painting, which Mm -hmm. I've learned is I think the US cover of the record. Have been get into that. loving it ever since, I think. Armed Forces is probably my
0: favorite Atlas album that I know. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, we we definitely go way back. I should say that the connection here is you and I were roommates sophomore year in college, a very, very weird and and, and seminal time in our lives. I think we met we met just before the end of freshman year. We I did.
1: St- I think we you know, do you know how we met? I believe it was coming home from a Ted Leo in the pharmacist show.
0: Yes. This, that's yes. my memory on the train coming home. Absolutely. Exactly. I, I always, I think, I don't know who went with me to that show, but I do remember coming back because it was late at night. I remember coming back on the train. It's funny. I'm, I'm up here in the mountains in Sierra Madre, California right now, and I'm starting to sweat <laughs> because it's hot. And I imagine I probably felt exactly the same as yeah. I did coming back on the R5. <laughs> no matter what the temperature was uh, <laughs> no probably question. meeting you for the first time. And Ted Leo, who I feel like is somebody who, you know, I I would say his lineage is probably closer to something like the jam than Elvis Costello. For sure. No doubt he's indebted to Costello.
1: I, I, I think mean, so. I, I definitely link him with, with I Elvis. would
0: particularly probably like the Hearts of Oak album, Sure. which he was probably touring behind at the time because that was yeah. 2000. That or the one app, whatever no, the... Uh, that was 2000, the, that was 2004. It must have been 2005 when he, we met. He put out that that Bush
1: record, the the anti-Bush record. I forget what it was called. Shake but the to, Sheets. I, shake
0: the Sheets, exactly. Yeah, I re- I still have like my too, too small to wear on, on my middle-aged dad bod like <laughs> baseball shirt that I got from that. It will become rags, I'm sure, or like a burp towel for my... Uh, <laughs> For my child to be, we definitely. I definitely remember that, and I think we came back and watched Twenty Four Hour Party People. I I think that's an accurate, an accurate. I think statement. so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. you <laughs> like through the haze. I think <laughs> I think that might have happened.
1: I have a terrible um, memory, but that was pretty. Sense.
0: I do remember that part because I was in you know my late teens to mid twenties was I like to call. My evangelical period, in which I was, I would shout at people when they didn't, and they hadn't listened to or seen something that I loved dearly. So I have to imagine Same. it was something like that. You haven't seen twenty-four hour fucking party people that move through. <laughs> you need to come back to my place now and watch it. So we then ended up living in what was it the the lank uh, Lank Lancaster, the Lancaster lank, lank, lank lank, apartment. Sophomore year, exactly, exactly. Going, I remember one of the first nights. We were living together in our dorm. We put on Arthur by the Kinks and sang it from beginning to end at the top of our lungs. There was no AC, so all the windows opened. So the entire dorm heard us sing Victoria all the way through Arthur to the end. And I do recall more than one shout of shut the fuck up. (laughs) We as we just like blasted it out at the top of our lungs. That Um, is. Yeah, that's a... you're speaking very lawyerly. You're very like, <laughs> yes, that is a uh, that is a factual depiction I, of events. I've, that is... I've been around attorneys for a decade now. I exactly, I can. Yeah, neither I can't con- shake it. I can neither confirm, no deny that that event took place, but there was inebriation. I remember talking to you about shows and being like, "Is this a pot show or a booze show?" <laughs> and kind of determining what to do. We, I remember. Black Keys was a booze show. Definitely a booze show. I remember of Montreal, which to me should have been a weed
1: show, wound up being a booze show. And I definitely- I definitely puked outside of the dorm.
0: Yeah. You know what? You no rallied Christ, no. and you went anyway. It was a fucking fantastic show. Shout out to oh, R5 it. Productions for putting on some right. really amazing shows during our four years. Still R5, they still exist. Is it? They're oh bigger. My I mean, it's a, they have their own venue now. I mean, they still do some shows
1: um, at the church, but they have their own uh, situation now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What was the place we saw of Montreal at? starlight ballroom or starlight
0: something? ballroom does that place that still does exist
1: not, no definitely not i haven't seen a that show is, there in i was in gonna India.
0: say that oh of it's course an, yeah, it's yeah, an yeah.
1: aspirational thing like well, oh you I, I know what's going on that's least, me but.
0: that's me for concert venues and movie revival houses nice. like i had an alarm go off the other day while i was like in the airport and it said, like, the 400 blows is showing at seven o'clock <laughs> at the Los Feliz three. If you want to make your way out to it, so yeah, I definitely, um, I, de- I definitely aspire to go to more shows than I actually do, but yeah, I think it's the aspiration that counts, definitely. But I remember that I remember seeing Arcade Fire at the church, and I do remember yep. I didn't see him because I didn't know who he was, but I do remember you seeing Jeff Mangum there, I did, and just uh, being like. Dude, that's Jeff Mangum. He just showed this up. Was...
1: I, I think he. I'm trying to think what. Yeah, he was just there. He was hanging out. Like he wait. Yeah, I, I didn't see him perform. Um, I yeah, no, like no, he, no. he showed up. He wasn't the performing show. then. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was just like there a, as a fan. Like a he was like he was just kind of
0: gone. He disappeared. Nobody like. knew who he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was, and and I remember just being like, I don't. And you're like, dude, Neutral Milk Hotel, and I was like, holy fuck, <laughs> this was. He didn't. I mean, it's what like 2013 or something? They came yeah. back out on tour, to yeah, do something stuff. like that, yeah, because yeah. I and this it, is 2000, this is 2005, 2006. Wait, yeah, I mean, this was in
1: the middle of his, but yeah, he was just,
0: yeah, was just, what just a dude, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, he was like the Thomas Pynchon of indie rock, like <laughs> exactly, just, that's exactly right, yeah, and just being like, oh my god, like this is this reclusive genius who made one of the greatest albums of the latter half of the 20th century. And he's just like, he's just, he's digging on this arcade hey, where, fire show. I saw him, I saw him perform at Occupy Wall Street. Nice. Showed up to
1: Occupy, I used to go, I, you know, I was living in New York and he showed up and just played an acoustic set like at the, uh, at the awesome, protest. Man. Yeah. Was a good where,
0: place. where were you living in New York at the time?
1: Uh, I lived in Brooklyn, deep South park slope gotcha. was a shit hole uh where i we lived above a batter a car battery warehouse or something it was not zoned for residential living it was <laughs> oh, highly definitely. highly illegal apartment my good friend uh mike fox still lives in oh, the same apartment sh- with his wife shout out to mike fox i just married him Uh, oh congratulations conducted his his wedding yeah it was nice
0: oh man mike fox also famous for uh making a cameo appearance on a live jeff Tweedy bootleg (laughs) classic yeah calling was it the lyric was it uh love and mercy he was calling out for a love and mercy cover i believe
1: yeah i think he he asked for a love and mercy cover and i feel like jeff was like
0: he shouted out the request to play Brian yeah. Wilson's Love and Mercy because that's something that Tweedy was covering a lot during his solo acoustic shows, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And Jeff said something to the effect of, I, I don't know how to play it, man. Fox goes,
0: I got a pick. <laughs> that's what was holding him back. That's what that was, was holding it, yeah. him back. It wasn't that he didn't know the chords. It was that he didn't have a pick. Good Lord that's am- and then he didn't say something where it's like i think people were uh i think people are. made to see me yeah some, something like that yeah it was promptly put in his place <laughs> but still absolutely legendary i mean to me what? he's right below the guy or possibly just above the guy who shouted judas <laughs> in manchester in <laughs> 66 close. because he's close yeah. you know i got to say <laughs> he um, <laughs> at least he's known to history on this podcast Mike Fox, (laughs) American Logic, for sure, for sure. Well, shout out to Mike. Keep on trucking, man. All right, so speaking of somebody who, if you caught him on stage in in 1979, you would not want to mess with Elvis Costello and the Attractions. This is the first record credited to the Attractions. The Attractions, of course, being Pete Thomas on drums, Bruce Thomas on bass, and Steve Naive on keyboards. I'd say arguably best rock band playing at that time. I mean, I would wow. put them. I would put them up there against like I would put them in competition with like the E Street Band. Wow. I would put bold, them bold in '79. In '79, I'd put them. I put them against. I would put them up there with the Clash. The fact that it's like they just have the chops. I feel like they can play anything, and they can play. Let me put it this way: there is no band. That plays as fast as they do and plays as well at the I, same time. I just feel like it's, they are just, you know, again, they're so, they're so beyond punk. So I never considered Elvis Costello to be
1: punk, punk rock.
0: I don't think to, he would have either. Like,
1: I, I, you know, I think people classified him, certainly the first couple records as that, but I kind of think that was just an easy way to market him in some way, potentially. Just like I, new wave. I, yeah. Cause I, I don't hear, like, I don't see those records as punk rock records necessarily i think there's elements maybe of the punk sure. rock attitude in it but i don't think the the music itself
0: is necessarily punk rock post-punk maybe i think that might be a good yeah i kind of think which and, and again it's so it's so interesting to like whether you classify you know his stuff as post-punk or whatever you know whether you take into the fact that it came out at the time that it did And it's also at the same time, it's like you could call it a post-punk record, but those records are also really reaching back to stuff. I mean, there's so much of the kinks and the stones and other 60s acts on this year's model. And My Aim is True has so much early 70s, like singer-songwriter inflections on it, as well as like R&B. I think this is the first album. It's really trying to push the game forward. While having just as much much angst and anger and energy to it as punk might. yeah, I also just feel like because it's also going for a somewhat more brittle sound to it. I also think there's a lot more kind of I feel like self-awareness on this album. this might Definitely. be like the most the most self-aware album. It's in, we were talking about how my aim is true if there is a kind of theme to it, it's the outsider looking in wanting to be a part of whatever is going on and this year's model is so much about like wanting to just get into it and explore that in all of its like messy and dirty and exciting kind of ways i Um, I almost feel
1: like armed forces to me is like him talking about his fame to a degree no yeah in, in, in interrogating that so you know i think a lot of
0: it is him conversing with himself almost very much. I don't know so. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think one of the first instances where you get more than one voice in the song, more than one character speaking in a song. I mean, that'll reach its kind of apex in something like Imperial Bedroom. Sure. Where it's like multiple voices on multiple tracks and even in and- this, I mean he does
1: it sound wise, I think. But like when I listen to this in headphones, you can hear, you know, the voices will go back and forth from headphone to headphone, depending oh, on yeah. the depending on the, the verse where it's almost like he's in conversation
0: with with himself in some way. It really is this kind of call and response. You know, as he says, I was as normal as any young idiot suddenly thrust into the charts and onto the cover of periodicals while being spoken about with exaggerated awe. If I seemed a little self-absorbed at the time, then I have to say much duller songs have been written on the subject which i gotta (laughs) say is like even if it's like almost 30 years later like 25 years after this album came out you're still like still such a flex but i guess the other thing i want to address of course talking about this album is the original title emotional fascism
1: i did not know that before yeah the origin which before i knew i was gonna do this
0: eerie in terms of how relevant of a title it is I think our forces really
1: I, l- lyrically to me is it blows me away how much it's, it resonates with what is happening politically today.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, we'll get into that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I prefer um, the title emotional fascism, by the way. I think I, say, I, think, I understand why they didn't use that. But yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I think it was like
0: wise that. to yeah. not have any commercial product yeah. associated with the name fascism except Something like how to fight fascism or like the rise and fall of the Third Reich or something like that. Like,
1: you know, absolutely.
0: He says this album was originally to be called emotional fascism. Two or three half half-formed notions collided uneasily in that title. Although I never would have admitted to having anything as self-conscious as a theme running through the songs, any patterns that have emerged did so as the record was completed or with the benefit of hindsight. Personal and global matters are spoken about with the same vocabulary. Maybe this was a mistake. Betrayal and murder are not the same thing. The first of them only deadens the soul. Well, he's absolutely right. This uh, album definitely equates betrayal and murder. He talked about how all of his songs on My Aim is true in this year's model and interviews were about revenge and guilt. This is about betrayal and murder and how, you know, for a, I believe he's 24 At the time, in the same way, you know, people say that when somebody does them wrong, it's like you're dead to me. It's like uh, I think of Tony Soprano. She's dead to me. The deadening of soul may as well be the, the deadening of life. If there is a theme that runs through this album, I would say. It's complexes. And I feel like in the same way, it's like betrayal and murder, it's politics and sex or sexual politics. And I feel like political politics is not a Sure. A very, I mean, I phrase. think he equates all of those together. Yes. You it's know, a I series of, equi- yeah. And they're, they're personal and external complexes. There's the military industrial complex. There's the bureaucratic complexes, And it really when I first heard this album in 2003, 2004, when Rhino did the reissues of it, I really thought it was like, this is great songwriting about these kind of delusional experiences. But as uh, as the two of us have lived through the last six years, it's become frighteningly prophetic, quite delusional. Yeah. All right. So each of us take a sip. We'll go ahead and get started. Track one, accidents will happen. that line is seriously
1: I mean, to me like this whole album is a torrent of words is how oh, yeah. i i they just like he's just throwing words at you and it just the record opens with him immediately w- with that lyric you know there's no there's no guitar riff there's nothing just immediately opens with that
0: it's very interesting because you think about something like no action that opens this year's model which is starts also without words but it's a whisper yeah. you know it's I don't want to kiss you I don't want and then that chord that like Pete Townsend-esque power chord crashes in this yeah. is like he's kind of smooth it's like it's like Smokey Robinson almost like oh I like meets like a, a cheesy lounge singer yeah like, I mean it
1: reminds me of like his voice that he'll use on a song like Allison almost that smooth talking kind of to me that's I when I think of Elvis Costello, that's kind of that's the voice. How what I think,
0: yeah, yeah. And I mean, considering this album is kind of his commercial peak, I think that's how ninety percent of his audience views him and thinks of him as. And sure, I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, I think the torrent of words, you know, the fact that this isn't being drowned out by heavy instrumentation or anything if anything the the instrumentation at least on accidents will happen kind of takes a back seat to his lyrics and it's kind of like step back boys like this is my moment i think of tim curry in muppet treasure island stand back boys this is my only musical number and to me it's just fantastic pop music i think it's probably like one of his best One of his best singles.
1: I would agree. I also think it's like kind of a false comfort because the rest of the album, for the most part, is pretty weird music, I think, for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. And this is a pretty straightforward song, very poppy. So it kind of lures you in a bit. I think it's a very good opener for that reason.
0: Yeah, even when you compare it to like the other big hit on this album, Oliver's Army, it's not, it's way more accessible. Yeah, no question that was my pitbull collapsing on the <laughs> floor in the background you'll be hearing him i mean
1: there's so many good lines you pulled that line earlier but the rise up in the sweat
2: and
0: i just love that that oh yeah imagery it, that lyric i mean you have so much you have so much great stuff coming up in here yeah i mean I also think it's interesting that, you know, there's all of these kinds of encounters that start there. These there are these phrases that are like sort of cliches or that are known phrases, things like I don't know. I don't even know where to begin or there's so many fish in the sea. There's so many people to see all these kinds of things. And then they just keep being shown to be hollow and ineffective and all this stuff. I think you know, one of the things that Costello write about over and over again, is this kind of almost like Joseph Heller-esque idea that it's like, for somebody so verbose, language is a really uh, less than effective way to communicate sometimes. Mm. And I mean, you know, he says, I don't know where to begin, you know, and, and every time it's like, you know, this person, like, for instance, in the first verse, he says he'll wait forever. It's now or never. It's clearly about a a couple where, you know, somebody wants to consummate. Somebody wants to have so sex. You will other- forever, Elvis, will you? yeah (laughs) no but i mean well she certainly won't i mean he certainly does not hold back about his uh infidelities or in his marriage and then every time it it sort of like builds to builds like uh she keeps him hanging on she he keeps you hanging on and then boom hits the chorus accidents will happen this stuff build and build and build. If you don't solve it out, if you stick around with the wrong person, if you interact with the wrong crowd, yeah. exactly like shit's going to hit the fan. And did I just kept thinking, clipping along with the song. And I just realized it's, he's literally like accidents. Like it, it's like a, a, you almost expect to hear like the screech of the brakes and like the crunch of metal. It's like, right. you and know, that's, here that's we go the again. Song,
1: that The song, like the music, kind of does that as well because the chorus like bum, bum,
0: bum, bum, t- boom, yeah oh, yeah like, wow. exactly exactly accidents will happen we only hit and run i don't want to hear it because i know what i've done you know i'm on i'm on top of it but all these other people are fucking up right and left and it's really interesting the uh so i just again i think it's just it's just a perfectly constructed song the more you dig into his stuff the more you just realize you find those hidden depths which is why I think he's the best singer-songwriter to come out in the last 45 years. And for me, he's the number two below below the goat, below Bob, for me at least. I, I mean, I, I think you would have, I, I thought you would always say that Elvis was your number one. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's a, my a personal little... number one, but there's right, no but you, denying You, you give the it GOAT. to Bob, sure. Well, you give it to Bob because Bob's got, I mean, Bob puts he's, out. He's Bob. Well, he's Bob, and he puts out his first album in 61. He's got 16 years on Costello. 16 years, which, oh, by the way, I mean, is the opening of one of the most underrated Bob tracks. 16 years! <laughs> 16 years! Yeah, exactly. Changing of the guards. He's got 16 years on Elvis. I mean, And, yeah. and a lot of people would say, arguably, those 16 years are the, are the best 16 years of Bob's career, although the true fans would beg to differ. That there's good Get stuff. Every, I mean, there's good stuff everywhere you look, though. There's good stuff everywhere, precisely. Exactly. Which, of course, I I definitely came back around in the last couple of years thanks to the Jokerman podcast. Shout out to <laughs> the Jokerman. They are absolutely fantastic. They're working their way through John Cale and Lou Reed right now. Um, shout outs to them. Amazing. But yeah, and this song, like so many of his, is just, I mean, it just, it bears the repeat listening. And of course, not only is the song a great, you know, open to the album that really hooks you in and just gets you excited and runs you over with its torrent of words. But it also ends with this really ominous kind of scary ending, which I feel like you were saying the rest of the album is really weird music. I feel like the end of this song is so unsettling. It's like haunting. Yeah, the... Ah, know. No.
1: It's like ghost, like, I mean, like, because it kind of fades out.
0: It is. And, you know, I was listening to it today on the way home from work, and it really is. It's almost as though all of these characters who have had these terrible things happen to them, it's like these characters are rising from their graves with their regrets to tell us. And it's literally like, I know, I know, like, I know. Track two, senior service. now i wanted to ask you about because i know you were a uh you were a, at least when we were roommates you were a nick hornby fan and i'm sure like me you you've read high fidelity when they talk about Absolutely. albums I feel like this is maybe one of the greatest track twos on any album. No, Now you got me. I
1: mean, I do. I love this song. Yeah, I think I, I think I would agree with that with that comment.
0: Just in terms of like you are totally hooked in to this, you know, ominous, but like really interesting and fascinating song. And here comes senior service where he's, you know, it explodes. It's a way faster tempo. and again the torrent of words like you said yep. is coming at you but he's shouting them <laughs> sure this is <laughs> a dissatisfaction?
1: <laughs> i feel like this marks to me like the sound of the album i I, I think he's shouting at you in this song. And Why very is jerky. This nerdy like man jerky, shouting right? at me. Like yeah. Oh,
0: very <laughs> a lot of like start and stops kind of senior service, junior dissatisfaction, though it may be secondhand, it's by no means second rate. Boy, this out this song has aged like fine wine <laughs> in a billionaire's cellar that he will never drink, nor will his grandkids. Sorry, that's my dog. And yeah, a lot of
1: lyrics about like competition, I feel
0: like, right? Oh Is my god, it's the whole, it's the whole corporate, competition, like, it's that whoops, whole yeah. corporate thing. Is it's like the corporate playbook, yeah. you know. Like, I mean, this sounds like this song just plays on repeat in like Jeremy Strong's character in Succession's head. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I want your neck. I want the seat that you sit at. I want your check. There's something too about I want the seat where you sit at, like your seat I at mean, the. And he says later, I want the like bar, like seat at yeah. the bar. It conjures like the very like kind of corporate takeover but it's also like old school in the sense of you know like an elks club or something where it's like you know he sits in the high (laughs) chair because he's uh you know he's somebody yeah he's uh
1: whatever he's more seniority yeah he's the yeah yeah,
0: he's the grand poobah or whatever this kind of like i want the i want to chop off your head and watch it roll into the basket (laughs) if you should drop dead tonight yelling again he's just yelling these lyrics (laughs) But he's like singing that the same way that two or three years later, it'll be like, it's hip to be square. <laughs> like <laughs> Chop off your head. It really is. <laughs> these really peppy melodies with just these like blood soaked or like dead eyed lyrics are just, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the Costello sweet spot. Again, equating death with corporate takeover could be a wee bit irresponsible from a 24 year old, but <laughs> It's a breath you took. If you're not irresponsible, you know. Exactly. If you're not irresponsible at 24, particularly with a Columbia Records uh, record contract, it's it's a breath. Jealousy. I
1: want your company car. I want your girlfriend in love. Like, yeah, I mean. Yep. I want
0: your girlfriend's love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a breath you took too late. It's death that's worse than fate. Like, if you are not constantly in the jungle trying to fuck someone else over, (laughs) then you're not getting ahead. You're not. You're not worth it. Exactly. You're not with it. You're not worthwhile. Damn, I read that... somewhere that Senior
1: Service is apparently a cigarette brand that was wa- – a British cigarette brand that was widely smoked in the military because they were
0: the cheapest cigarette you could buy. I'm not sure doesn't, I know the connection. doesn't surprise there, me at but... all. Yeah. Well, I think the connection to, and this is something that I forgot to mention in our intro, was that Costello being on tour pretty much constantly for like the previous two years before this album mm. came out, and especially touring America. So many of the song titles in this album come from storefronts, from advertisements. Wow. From, that makes a lot of sense. From books, from. Like things that he sees, and we'll get into that later with uh with green shirt. I, I feel like this is yeah, senior service is exactly that kind of a thing where it's like he takes this this well-known pop culture phrase, term, brand, and turns it into like, well, what's senior service? Senior service much like the men who smoked them in World War II is like being about being relegated, being pushed out by somebody who is like younger, dumber, stronger than you are. And it's about like somebody who will stop at nothing. I mean, if anything, it reminds me of the kind of, if not the man himself, certainly the kind of Culture that that Mr. Trump would like to engender in anyone who works for yeah, him.
1: No question. Yeah. Anybody uh... who
0: gets ahead, they get ahead by stepping on and knocking somebody else over. Definitely. In the process, I mean, it's... the connections you are making here are profound
1: oh i i oh, I,
0: ugh, I don't <laughs> give me that don't give me that much credit seriously but like i i don't know if you read in the new york times uh jared kush the review of kushner's jared kushner's memoir i did yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. i don't know if you recall him being like it's like uh <laughs> it says some, it's something to the effect of like talking about how Jared Kushner, like, made himself effective by alienating everybody else except his father-in-law. And I just, I think of Jared Kushner when I hear Senior Service. I also just think it's the kind of song that you hear when you're 16 or 17 and you're like, I, I don't want to fucking work for a big company ever, like, right. ever again. I, You know, it makes you think of that, um, what's the, oh my gosh, the great 19th century French French novelist, God, this is be uh, the first of many pretentious moments in this episode. I swear, Balzac. Yeah, Balzac. Balzac, okay. Balzac I wish has I got the that line. For you. Thank you, thank you. Balzac has the line: "Behind every great fortune is a great crime." Mm. That's what senior yep. service is about. And you think of how you know so many, even like quote unquote, you know, as somebody who is generally despised in this country, the career politician. How few career politicians wanted to even work in the trump administration in 2016 because they were just so disgusted by this guy and everything that he stood for so all he hired were just like these low level yeah, the the second rate people oh my god you're talking like third fourth d-list senior service is a song from the perspective of a of a guy who's like you know in the same way in the beat he was like i want to go out and get some It's like in this, he's like, I want to go out and like fuck somebody over. And so I just I look at this song and much in the same way to go to another great track too on an album this year's girl on this year's model and how this is this is another state of the world. And it's like it's the sad thing where it's like under capitalism, a song like this will never age. And under a patriarchy, this year's girl will never age. Very true. And that's Very what makes true. it absolutely brilliant. Speaking of a song that will also never age, Oliver's Army, track three. Oliver's
2: Army is to stay. Oliver's Army and I would rather be else it
0: I, I want to hear about Oliver's Army from you. Let- lay it on me, from man. From me. So
1: I mean, I I really like the song. One of the cleanest pop songs on the record. I mean it's verse chorus, verse chorus. It's it's pretty straightforward compared to most of the other songs on the record. I don't think we can get around he 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 drops the N word at a point in the song.
2: It was nineteen
0: seventy nine. You know, I,
1: I think Clearly, it's about military men on patrol being bored is what I get from it. I think it could also be about today. He talks about London is full of Arabs. I get, I, I was saying, you had mentioned before ABBA being a big influence on this album. Da-dum,
0: da-dum, da-dum.
1: I mean, this song specifically, I get a a, a big ABBA vibe Queen. from it.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. No question. He said this song no was going to be a B-side until Steve Naive started playing along with it and wow. added that, you know, if you hear Dancing Queen, it's. <music> Oliver's Army, inspired very much by their first tour of Ireland and the fact that he went to Belfast and just Got seen it these like it it seems like it's
1: like a military people bored on patrol kind of is what i get from a lot of the lyrics right like them being bored a lot but still doing this kind of violent job while also dealing with boredom and i don't know that's what i take
2: well i definitely
0: i definitely remember i remember reading shelby Foote's history of the civil war years ago and there's a line somewhere in one of those big fat volumes of it where he says like the life of the soldier is long stretches of intense boredom followed by Mm. short moments of sheer terror. And it's kind of like the deadening of soldiering where it's like, you're just told to go to this place and do this thing. I always think of this song as almost like a recruitment poster or somebody. Yep. Call career is information, right? Have you got yourself an occupation? Like, yeah. I was listening to it this week in preparation for the podcast, and I was thinking about how this is like a guy who's slightly older, maybe late twenties, early thirties. Again, might be the guy who narrates senior service, and he's talking to like two or three unemployed guys in there who are like between eighteen and twenty-two, like in a bar and he's telling them like, "Oh, you need a job. It's like join the army. Like you get three yeah. square meals a day. You get to travel the world. And just the idea, you know, I mean, it's the 70s, so we've we've heard about covert ops and thing people being used to and hired to put down, you know, revolutions and it's soldiers from other countries. It's the age of the mercenary. It's it's all this kind of stuff. So, he was in Belfast. He said he saw guys who were like younger than him with like submachine guns, like standing around barbed wire, wow. and was just like, These are kids. It's these teenagers who yeah. are, you know, but this is a guy like encouraging them to do it. And he's also just like, Hey, man, like look at the, you know, you also think of Costello headlined the Rock Against Racism concerts in England within 6 months of this album coming out and the far right is recruiting people because it's like there's no jobs there's no yeah. there's like England is in the toilet right then and there's there's no future for England uh there's as- also like
1: there's still there's lyrics in here again that are just so applicable i think to politics in England today the line london is full of arabs right like i mean i could hear uh, Boris Johnson so, you know London is full of Arabs like yeah, know, get them Arabs. out yeah. of here something yeah, like that. what is
2: it Hong ko up the grab
0: Yeah, it's it's just this idea of trying to dress up. Yeah, You're sure. trying to dress up this this awful drudgery job. And speaking, you know, writing this song as a 24 year old with not a lot of world experience. It's like I've I've worked dead end jobs where it's sold as like this kind of great yeah. chance to get experience. Oh God, career path. And, uh, Car- oh yeah, god, career path. yeah, yeah. Career path that. is that oh god, that's it's like shit stain. Uh, it's two <laughs> filthy words that I you know ring hollow and awful in my ears but there's no
2: it's a
0: I mean, Blackwater. um, If you're out of luck or out of work. Yeah. Yeah. We can send you to Johannesburg, which, by the way, ancient history for us, but Johannesburg, this is still apartheid. This is still the idea that this is like it's Jim Crow, but worse still exists in the world. Costello always brings up the fact that the black and white minstrel show was still on TV in England in the 70s into the 80s. And you're just like, God, like this world's fucking insane. It's one of those songs where for the longest time, I kind of admired it more than I actually liked it. But I love the tracks where the attractions kind of go nuts and really go crazy. But this song and particularly like also accidents will happen and one or two other songs. They really pull it back and they really like support the song. And I feel like this is such a great album or such a great song. I don't know if you ever have this with music in general, but I definitely have it with Costello where um, you mishear work, you mishear the lyrics. Oh, all the time. Yeah. And with him, I always thought the line, the opening line, it, the actual opening line is don't start that talking. I could talk all, all night. My mind goes sleepwalking while I'm putting the world to right. I always thought the line was don't start that torture. I could talk all night. And just I mean. like- and again like that in terms still. of i always thought that's always thought i always thought that's what it was because it's like you know it's it's the victim and the perpetrator like to having the dialogue at the same time and um you know i even think of like that kind of again like don't start me talking like a, a classic phrase in conversation that like i don't know where to begin don't start me talking all these kinds of things that he uses and then it just the and uh, yeah i always go back to this idea of like this is a guy at a bar who's like oh i'll buy this round let me tell you about this like he's like the army recruiter in like the small dead end town who's offering you the chance to get out i don't you know? at the
1: bar yeah I and of that. course
0: this song is arguably at least in the uk is most successful single and has the it's like this fist pumping anthemic chorus and yet it ends
2: it's
0: it's so sad it's so. I, there's so many
1: songs like that, right? Where it's like me. they're sing-along songs, and you're like "Born in I the USA." Fans, don't even, well, exactly. A ton of Springsteen songs are like that, where I, yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of his fans aren't even realizing what they're singing. Right? It's just fun to sing along to, and you're not
0: necessarily thinking about it too much. But that—that's that, part of the brilliance. I mean, I—I I feel like it's—it's it's a song of, again, kind of like senior service. It's a song about exploitation. It's and it's about the exploited, you know, and those doing the exploiting. The thing I always think about, you know, there's no danger. It's a professional career. Nobody in the like recruiting for the army talks about what the hell happens when you get your leg blown off or if you get killed. But we're going to pay for your college. You're going to learn so many skills. That, you know, and of course, what is what is one of the number one, you know, demographics of people who are out of work or unhoused or anything? It's vets. Yeah. It's veterans. You know, of course, Lord of the Rings is very much in the news and media right now with Rings of Power coming out. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm a big fan of it. I have um, not. I, I would recommend it even if Lord of the Rings is not your bag. It's in a not, way not that, my bag. Like, I, I'm not. You are know, not anti Lord of the Rings. You're I'm, not not, like, I'm not anti. I'm you're not. i not obsessive. Obnoxiously not... pro. Like I am. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't love. I'm not fantasy. huge on fantasy type stuff. No. Um, but it, no. I mean, I've read Lord of the Rings. I'm, I, I I enjoyed it when
0: I read it. There's a quote from act the actual Lord of the Rings, which I always think is one of the most. I mean, there's there are a million great quotes in Lord of the Rings, but there's one that always comes to mind to me, which is a line that Sam has when he and Frodo are trying to get into Mordor and they witness a fight between men who are supporting Sauron and the men of like Gondor and they fight. And he, it's the first time they see, they've seen men, you know, they fought orcs and Moria. They've yeah. fought, they saw Gandalf fight the Balrog, all this stuff. They've, they've dealt with Gollum, but they've never seen, people who look the same, men fighting men, killing each other. And there's this line that Sam thinks when he sees a dead body, and it's in, it's actually in the extended cut of the two towers, they give it as a line to Faramir, but it's this quote, where he sees this dead body of a of a soldier. And the quote is, he wondered what's what the man's name was, and where he came from. And if he was really evil of heart, or what lies or threats had led him on the long march from his home, and if he would have rather stayed there in peace. Wow. That's, all, that's Oliver's army. It, that's who is it the absolutely. guy. That sums it up. What lies or threats led him on that long march from home to Johannesburg or Hong Kong or Belfast or any one of those things. I also think there's a, um, there's an, there's a movie called, I think it's called 71, which I believe is the year where The Troubles really kind of first blew up, um, gotcha. where bloody, when bloody shortly after Bloody Sunday occurred. Again, I, shame on me as an Irish-American. I don't know my my Troubles history. <laughs> my Irish history kind of ends with Michael Collins. The, uh, More than I know, so. Yeah, but exactly. Well, thank you. But um, 71, it's a movie about a British soldier who's like 20 years old. Excuse me. He's 20 years old and he gets stuck behind He gets stuck in like a catholic neighborhood and he's got to like find his way out and like survive and everything like that and i feel like that's the kind of guy that oliver's army is also about it's about the exploiter and the exploited sad and the music i mean i know he's i mean first of all you know naive is is pretty much quoting dancing queen on the piano there but i forget who it was it was somebody at saint joe's they were saying um somebody said to me that they their family plays this song it's on a a mix of songs at christmas time that sound vaguely vaguely christmassy and i think of like I think of anybody who's in the military, like at Christmas time, where you're like on like guard duty somewhere, and it's like Christmas Eve, or you think about like, and you think about guys freezing their ass off somewhere, standing some, you know, in some country that we very likely have no business being in, and you're just like, God, I would rather be anywhere else but here today. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm somebody where I feel like, especially with Costello and to, I do this with Dylan as well, where it's like, but I just, I mean, I always think I I'm somebody where it's like, I will between my imagination and my attention deficit disorder, I will like take my imagination will run with a song like this. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, I just, I think of all those things when I hear it. And I think that's why it's great. I mean, I endorse all of that. Next track, track four, in which Elvis Costello invents emo music. Wow, I, big boy Think about it like that.
2: I am starting to function in the usual way. Everything is so provocative, very, very temporary. I shall walk. I shall walk.
0: This is a top 25 Elvis Costello song for me. I think it is fascinating. I remember before the reissue of this year's model, or sorry, Armed Forces came out, the reissue of this year's model came out. And there is an acoustic demo of this song, which I feel is even better than the the full studio version of it because you're literally like I could imagine Saves the Day or Dashboard Confessional or even Ted Leo doing this song I am starting it's to
2: in the usual way everything is so provocative very very temporary I shall walk out of this place i shall walk out on you because you go silly if she's willing trying so hard to be like the big boss
0: but i also love interesting the electronic version of it i mean there's so much melodrama this is like a phil specter song i love that i it.
1: shall walk and it kind of like it almost takes on like a marching sort of tone when he starts to do that. And you could just see, I could just feel him like walking
0: down the street and just, I don't know, like shouting some of these lyrics or something. just I don't know about you, but like there have definitely been parties or social situations where I'm like, fuck it. I am out of here. Like I came here. I did this. Things did not go as planned. <laughs> she or he was not interested. Like I shall walk out of I'm this out. place. I will walk no out on you. Cause she'll go <laughs> silly if she's willing. As I'm trying so hard to be a man. It makes it reminds funny. me of go I ahead. I didn't even
1: think about oh no, yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. I because I, I was gonna say I, I didn't even think about the emo connection to this with this song, but I'm like, now I'm looking at the I'm like, you know, it, it's all about him. He takes her to the pictures, it's him trying to get to get this going on her just like So you
2: take to the
1: you know, rejecting him effectively. Think, what a right? jerk you know. she is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My opening notes on this when I, I took notes then I wrote another jerky song. The I, I feel like the music itself in this is like kinda it, it's jerky, you know, it it a lot of
0: kind of start stop type type thing musically it's it is that kind of herky jerky rhythm that's very like i mean if you listen to there's an alternate version of it as well it's almost phil spectory it's like i shall walk out of
1: this place like a lot of the songs on this this album definitely have a phil specter ish kind of wall of sound type thing to them. This you know, is it, the
0: first it, if like he said, like this year's model is the first album that is actually it's production. It's not just yeah recording people in a room. Right. This is like next level, like actual production. Shout out to Nick Lowe, by the way, who is producing the third Costello album in a row and is just kind of getting a better and better sound out of this band yeah, every time. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I feel like this one Really, I mean, it it is this is a song like I identified with when I was 17, like so hard.
2: hard,
0: hard, hard I had friends and siblings where it's like, how do I put this? At least according to where where I was standing, getting the attention of whoever you were attracted to was very easy for them. Sure, it wasn't a lot of work. Unlike me, where it was certainly was to the point. For a long time, I like really sold myself short and was just like, I yeah no. So again, you know what is what do they say? Uh, I think Van Halen said. Says like music critics love Elvis Costello because they all look like Elvis Costello, <laughs> like, which
1: I mean, is a... you knew me. You knew me in college, so yeah, I, I think I I think
0: I understand that. Uh... You care to elaborate on that? <laughs> Same thing. No, not really, but you know. Okay, moving on swiftly. <laughs> I'll say I was somebody where I, uh, you know, as you well know, as my roommate, I was involved in a fraternity in college. And I thought this was the only way to have a social life to meet women and to have sexual relations with them. Not proud of that, but that's a fact. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 about St. Joe's, which is a whole other conversation. Sure. But it, it really is that thing like you take her to the pictures inch by inch trying to reach her all the way through the second feature worrying about your physical fitness am am I up to the task even if I get the opportunity tell me how you got this sickness you know I mean god I think anybody who's lived as a teenager or a 20 something knows whether they they're trying to make the move at the movies or not it's just like like it's just the ending is I I love the ending I feel it it builds up to the
1: oh oh
2: Cut in the sun by a fist like a torsion. I was down upon one knee stroke in a vanity. I was stuck on a hammer head. I came alive and left the dead. As my fist returned to
0: it. Yeah, I mean, this song builds and builds. You know, as a young man, you're in when you're a young man of a certain generation and i'm really hoping that you know the next one does a lot better than the generations before us had where it's like how do you deal with emotional insecurity how do you deal with not being able to live up to these defined but also nebulous like expectations of what you're supposed to be as a as a virile young man anger rage hatred and we've seen so many whether i've i was in a fraternity or whether we've seen groups on the internet that like feed on insecure young men they can harness that rage and use that as a weapon for their own ends but it really is like i as my face returned to red choking on my pride and pity just like i'm dying here we can talk until your face is blue. I imagine at this point, she's just trying to be like, look, I just don't feel that way about you. Like, get the we fuck out talk, of here, man. You know, and, and, we, and yeah. we can talk. And, and at the same time, it's also like somebody trying to give them advice. Like we can talk until your face is blue, like how to get into her pants. But at the end of the day, it's but she'll get to you like or you can talk about how like oh i'm above it all man but you're not like you're you're a sap after you've been loved and hated by the ones who watched and waited found that they were overrated but as you time. say she'll be the one when the is over she'll but it's too
2: late
0: So you can her she's just another like whatever fuck that or tried and succeeded fuck that like i'm done it's yeah. and you try so hard and you try so hard and you try so oh oh hard you like the big boys it feels a little bit out of place after oliver's army a little bit in the sequence a little bit at least? i think so
1: a little bit i think because oliver's army is so poppy maybe and also <laughs> and also less like uh, this is more personal lyrics to me than oliver's army which is more of a it does tell a story but more of a big picture thing and and political where i think this is more maybe personal politics i guess you could say
0: yeah, I um, think it's also kind of the self-awareness of this album to follow a, a macro song with yeah. a micro immediately after that. Yeah, that makes sense. Is interesting. I mean, it really goes back to, I can think of so many situations with so many people, the what-ifs, the what-hads, the guilt, the anger. I mean, all of that stuff just comes flooding back when I listen to this song. That's why, to me, it's a top. It's like a top 25 Costello song. I mean, it's a great one. No question. It really is. It it means way more to me than something like Oliver's Army does. We are f- on the fourth song of this album, and we're already it's like four masterpieces, like just four of the best songs that anybody would ask for, like in their discography. And we're not even through the first side. I mean, that's
1: the mark of a
0: classic album, you know? Yeah. Like back to back to back. It's it it's pretty amazing. And it really is like he's kind of like he the, well, the guy can do anything. So yeah, I mean big boy is like just incredible classic. All right. Yeah. So moving right along, if you're up for it, do it. Green shirt. Green shirt, which to me almost feels like the song that should follow our Oliver's army. This is another one where this year's model gives you the acoustic demo of it. And it almost sounds like a George Harrison song.
2: There's a smart young woman in a light blue screen who comes into my house every night. And she takes all the red, yellow, orange, and green, and she turns them into black and white. You tease, you flirt, and you shine all the buttons on your green shirt. You can please yourself, but somebody's
1: gonna get it.
0: Interesting. Like you could almost see it as like the B side of "Try Some Buy Some," something like that. Wow,
1: that's very interesting. I gotta listen to these. uh, Is there do they are there acoustic versions of every song on this on this album? So
0: if you go on Spotify, you will find big the demo of "Big Boys" and "Green Shirt." Gotcha and the green shirt is on demo is on the armed forces reissue and then i think the big boys one is on the this year's model version of it it's got that kind of you know weird acoustic song like vibe to it which is so which is so interesting but instead you've got the green shirt that we have which <laughs> starts with like
2: she takes all the yellow
0: which to me is like it's like the, it's like uh, the beginning down. of a christmas song it's so you think like pretty sparse i feel like
1: it's pretty sparse musically at the beginning too
0: yeah it's this mini moog like keyboard like loop thing interesting that they have yeah but green shirt he still plays this song live i just saw a set of him from newcastle earlier this year and this was like track three. And he's played it pretty much every time I've, I, I've heard it. Really? That's I've fascinating to me. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't, know, think, it's I wouldn't think that. No, and it was always a song because I heard the acoustic demo. Then I heard the Armed Forces version. It was like a song that always meant a lo- had a lot of resonance for me because I had heard it yeah. so much. And, and, you know, actually, I said George Harrison. You know who I think this sounds like? This sounds like a Ray Davies song. I could see Go that. Go back to our I uh, see our, our favorite our album original author. Uh, yeah, yeah. It almost the the acoustic version sounds like a demo I would say off of like Lola versus the Power Man. I know Of everything even you think of that, even lyrically, I
1: get i get Davies as well, like just talking so... about television and, you and paranoia know, that, and, and, and all that. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The the keyboards on it to me sound you would I don't think we mentioned low, the Bowie album yet in this podcast, but you would mention The keyboard sounds on this song specifically to me is sounds a lot like some of the ambient songs on low.
0: Oh, and like if
1: you, yeah, go ahead. Like, just like the, the second side of Low, I, I mean, I just get heavy. The, those keyboard sounds on this song, especially, remind me of that.
0: Yeah. He talks at great length on, I, I say on, because I've been listening to the audiobook of his memoir, Unfaithful Music and Disappearing Inc. He talks at great length about how, through Get Happy, the big guiding lights for them are Station to Station Low and Heroes. Bowie's yeah, influences all over this album. What's interesting is that most people don't pick up on that. And he said he thinks the reason he got away with it was because he never he couldn't sing like Bowie if he tried. Mm. And because you don't hear the vocal inflections, you, you, might, today, you might not like, pick it up you're... initially. Sure. When well, you mentioned that
1: before, I, I would not have I, I would not have thought that without you saying that to me. And then I, I honestly still really didn't pick up on it and, uh, w- until I listened to it um, with pretty good headphones.
2: You're just a little girl with gray eyes, never mind. It's the
0: This is one of the ones where it is it really comes out overtly this song to me is even more relevant than senior service oh yeah because Ex- it's, kind of, about, these, it's, kind, it's kind of about it's kind of it's kind of about the internet and it's kind of about fascism wow. and it's kind of about the way like the who song relay is kind of about the internet but written in yeah, 1974 yeah, yeah. it's like this is kind of about like chat rooms i mean there's a sm- I mean. Well, first of all, first and foremost, let's look at the opening line here. There's a smart young woman on a light blue screen who comes into my house every night. She
2: takes all the red, yellow, orange, and
0: green, and she turns them into black and white. Laura Ingram. I mean, absolutely. The, the world is a complex place. It's a very complex place in 1979. There are supply chain issues. There's all these sorts of things happening. Much the same as 2022, 43 years after this album came out. And she takes all the red, yellow, orange, and green and turns them into black and white. She makes it nice and simple for us. She makes it complex. We're good. They're bad. And that's... See, even Cohen agrees with me. He's shaking it off in the background. (laughs) Like, they're... You know, there's no nuance. There's no discussion. There's no com- there's no complexes. Again, to get back to this theme of complexes, the complex yeah. of like, no, the world has to be black and white. You know, it's gotta be right and wrong. It's gotta I be mean, these things. Otherwise, right I can't movie, understand. That's it's like the God thing with damn that, just,
1: that There is no gray. It is all yes, right or wrong. We are good, evil or they good. Are bad. they're bad. Their uh, George W.
0: Bush, you're with us they're, or against us.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: America That's first. That's why they all hate college. Because human World. beings are complicated and yep. all they want other human beings to be is uncomplicated. It reminds me of, uh, there's the Mad Men line where he's with Suzanne, the teacher. Are you a Mad Men fan? Yeah, I watched it. And she's talking about how one of her students says to her, how do I, how do I know that the color blue that I imagine is not the same color blue that you see. And Don says something to the effect of, you don't see the same blue that he does, but everybody really wants to think and feel that they're seeing the same blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That everybody else is because it's too scary to imagine that there are like too many shades of blue. And I mean, there's shades of blue, there's it's shades true. of gray, there's shades of red. There's, you know, again, it's a big old. Complex world out there, and she takes all the red, yellow, orange, and green. She turns it into black and white. And you, so what, you made a lot tea. of playful,
1: playful lyrics. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah no, it's I, it's, I, I it's a, a song with a sense of humor lyric. for sure. I like the
1: line like typing seconds over. She's typing seconds.
2: Over minutes She's listening into
0: the Venus line She's picking names I hope none of them are mine. Somewhere in the Quizzling Clinic Quizzling Clinic is something he saw from a moving car wrote it down as like Quizzling Clinic like I love the alliteration I'm going to use that in a song <laughs> lyric then he looks up and realizes that Quizzling was the name of Norway's dictator who collaborated with the Nazis. Wow. Norway went fascist during World War II. I don't think a lot of people know that. But again, what a coincidence as he's driving through the middle of America that's quizzling like clinic. Yeah. And I always think of the line, shorthand typist taking seconds over minutes. If I was to recommend a movie to watch with armed forces, as in terms of getting in the mood, it'd be Terry Gilliam's Brazil.
1: Wow. I would not have made that connection. Oh, my
0: God. So when I think of typing Um, uh, seconds over minutes, I think of the scene where he goes to see Michael Palin and Michael Palin's character. No uh, spoilers. If you haven't seen Brazil, it came out in 1985. Maybe the only good thing to come out of the year I was born. (laughs) And Michael Palin's job is he tortures people for a living. Have you seen Brazil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Michael Palin, uh, Michael Palin, the nicest. Oh, of course, every every young white adolescent male (laughs) has gone through a Gilliam period and his job. He's the nicest guy in the world. His character's name is Jack Lint. He's as bland as the extra fabric you find in your pocket. And he tortures people for a living. Um, That is his job in the Ministry of Information. And I think about the fact that when he walks in, there is a woman who is with headphones on typing the transcript of the torture and it's played for comedy because she's literally typing like ah ow it hurts stop make it stop and then he comes out to see jonathan price and he's he's dressed it's like a dentist he's dressed like a dentist he has blood all over him And he's like hello like how are you like good to see (laughs) you And I always think of that. She's listening into the Venus line. She's picking out names. I hope none of them are mine. Also, when you realize, like, when the Berlin Wall went down, that I think the Stasi in East Berlin, it was something like over 75% of the population was bugged. It's something like that. It's over 50%. I would take that as material for a song. I I just think about, like fascism is about the control of information so we're keeping ta- they're keeping tabs on people as well as control of media state state-owned media that kind of a thing Projecting all this stuff
2: okay.
0: never said it was a it's just like I'm, look i'm not a fucking i'm just telling you what the fuck is happening and it's like but you don't want to hear about you, it and it builds and it builds and again like servicing the song you know you've got some a few bass flourishes on the chorus but otherwise it real this song is just that i love yeah, the drums
1: on this song too the that's drums drums uh, great the bat,
0: yeah. it's one of the best songs i think on the album this is a song about complexes it's about like recognizing everything these complexes that are building up around you that you don't have control over while also it's like driving you crazy i mean that i mean that is like throughout the whole song yeah it's so tense it's so tense and you've got this like synthesized almost sounds like almost like a synthesized horn part It's, i mean that's
1: what he's going for i'm assuming right like kind yeah of a, a yeah it really soundtrack. it
0: really feels like you know this is almost like a sequel to i don't know if you remember the song on this year's model night rally sure you know they got the catchy melody that'll keep you singing in the showers you think they're so dumb you think they're so funny wait until they got you running to the night rally it really <laughs> i mean this is the sequel it's like now i'm dealing like with these people they're like obsessed with like Like, do you realize what is happening? Quiet. Like, I want to get my uniform right. (laughs) Anyways, I feel like we could talk all day about this song. Oh yeah, we need to move on to the next track, which is again we we're going um we're going macro to micro. We're going to party girl. Party girl. This
1: is to me the most personal,
0: right? Like, just interpersonal song on the record. I think pretty autobiographical as well. I don't know. I feel like this move, this song is almost like it could be like a short play, short film. And mm. that the inspiration apparently for this song comes from the fact that he met like an art like an art school student in one of the shows he was playing. Literally went back. She either went back to his hotel room or he like went back to her apartment and they literally just kind of talked. And like connected with each other and i i think there's so much art that's made of like artists at like weird cross like crossroads connecting with somebody i mean yeah, to, yeah. to go comedic it's like almost famous where the guy where you know russell is like you're real your house yeah, yeah. is real <laughs> yeah. like i mean this is kind of that but like unironic
1: i also think this is the most stereotypical Elvis costello song on the record i don't know if you know it, like i you know uh, well i get Allison vibes from it i get just the, that whole it's sort of 50s-ish sounding to me so I, I i don't know i think for people who don't know costello that well this song sounds what they think in their head an elvis costello song sounds like
0: party girl. yeah that
1: smooth smooth singing like. like a million
0: But, I mean, you like, like, so also like, there's also kind of that like
1: Springsteen piano to me. Like, uh, I, nope. I like, very Springsteen-ish.
2: Yeah,
0: that's very, like... You know the they, boss better than the I
1: guilty do. Guilty party and I want and, and yeah. a grip like
0: Yeah, that whole thing. Um, but no, Absolutely. yeah, it's
1: very like Born to Run-ish type.
0: Uh, Thank you. The, the type you sound. know the boss yeah. better than I do. So <laughs> I I appreciate that. Bruce is somebody where I love him as a person. I love his songs. I love all the stuff he's been influenced by. I don't like the way he sings. Yeah, sure. I, I which I not, feel like is like, insane. I mean, it's insane being a Costello fan you you're like, "Really, dude?" Yeah, really? Like, "How about I love uh, Bruce,
1: I mean, I am not going to say I'm not like a Springsteen. I, you've seen him, I'm not though, like a right? crazy par- I I've seen him. I've only seen him once. I saw him with my brother once at uh, some stadium in Philly. I forget what stadium, but amazing show. It was like three I bet hours. it was amazing. It was I, bet I, would, it was I I would I need awesome. to see
0: it just cuz of how we, great it We is. went
1: last minute, got cheap tickets we're sitting in nosebleed seats and it was, yeah. I mean, it was one of the best shows I've, I've ever been to. If like, if that's your thing,
0: I mean, it, it, yeah, it was amazing. I still think my favorite album of his will always be wild and innocent. I It's a great one. It's a great one. That's to me, him,
1: that's the most Dylan influence I think on a record and also like kind of, you know, van, van Morrison almost type. Um, Definitely his very more much used so, record, probably like, yeah, yeah. It's so like interesting.
0: The van influence on Bruce, I feel like, is not always recognized, which is oh, interesting to, to go the Costello route because Costello, for my aim, is true. He's like, all of the tempos for that album came from his band in the street choir. Interesting. So, like, Domino. And I always think of the song, you know, the song Blue Money by Van Morrison. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, you know, like that is that you listen to half the songs on My Aim is True and they all sound like, to me, they all sound like Blue Money. <laughs> listen to the lion. <laughs> Anyways, we're going down. A, man the man I think the cocktails the yeah, are I mean, We, we could go on all day, you know. To me, I, I think you're right that this is kind of like what you would think of a stereotypical Costello song. But again, it's like, you know, you go to this chorus.
2: They can touch my life. You say you don't mind. We're so hard to find.
0: I can kill you better for the time. Time. And it's it God. really is. I know it's this passing, like, fleeting thing. We're talking about like self-conscious songs this is like I am yearning for some this is my I'm a pop star yearning for some genuine human connection song yeah like it really is that that to me is so much of what what is going on here and it's just so it, i I love it this for a long time was my favorite song on this album even that again you 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 mentioned before the bridge
2: Can I just one more try a like best
0: Ends like that's actually a line left over from like a my aim is true like demo wow. but that's just such a good line it's interesting how this year's model is such a such a like a lusty album and my I know and my aim is true. When you listen to the episode, you'll see that Aaron and I literally we started invoking a ranch factor like on a oh, scale of one to five. Fax. how yeah, How yeah. or how horny is this song? Because this harkens back almost in like it's pop song form. My aim is true. I also love the songs called Party Girl, the second verse. <laughs> never be the guilty party girl you know again great great word usage and because apparently what this was about was he he spent the night and it got written up as like Costello was seen leaving with like a, a, like uh, a college student, student or something like that yeah, yeah. yeah and it's literally like if anything else happened you're he even says his memoir he's like you're not gonna fucking hear about it then he goes I'm the guilty party, and I want my slice. Jeez. (laughs) I want my slice. Okay. All right. was a slice of custard pie from uh, Physical Graffiti. (laughs) But I know you've got me, and I'm in a grip like Vice. Great. Um, Costello talked about how the song You Belong to Me is like the last time played backwards. You know, the Rolling Stone song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, pump it up. He's like, "Well, actually, I stole from Bob Dylan who stole from Chuck Berry. The I, drums yeah, I... are going to a go-go, the baseline is burning love by Elvis Presley, like and we just put that together."
1: That worked, yeah.
0: That part at the end. Uh t- Which is, of course, I Want You by the Beatles. I love this song. I feel like there's not much to it other than like quite literally like the lyrics and what it's about. And it's yeah. just, I do love the baseline on the parts, you know, they can't touch me. i read a uh interview with bruce thomas the bass player and he was talking about how like he imagined the party girl being like kind of woozy and like a little bit drunk so it's like wow mm-hmm. yeah the, the bass kind of evokes that no mm-hmm. question you know i just yeah to me it's 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 just that that anything but time yeah. <laughs> So, like fucking fantastic again like i don't think other bands would think of parts like that this kind of like swirling like again why no, i feel like the attractions not. are so are so ahead of so many bands at least of their time i mean you can we can debate the east street we can debate but it's like sure. they are Whatever, up there sure. with the clash they are up there with because they're like the guys from 77 who actually know how to play their instruments and that concludes our discussion of side a of armed forces special thanks to my guest and friend matt Myatico. and of course thanks to you for listening if you enjoyed our conversation please check out armed forces and give it a listen as we will be covering side b on our next episode my curated costello playlists are available on spotify under the username Capital P-B underscore man. So be sure to check those out as well. And we'll meet again soon. Between your ears.